0: Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world.
1: There is a trick to making people believe that you care about their issue and the trick is actually caring I really care you know I mean I feel like in those moments that I'm sharing with somebody you know yes I do want something or I want to carry the ball a little bit further but I'm not false or I try very hard not to be false to myself and I think that helps guide me in being uh, and having some honesty and some real exchanges with people
0: Okay, everybody, I just snuck out to our garage to record this introduction. I'm supposed to be packing for my daughter and myself. If anybody has a deodorant recommendation, I would love to have it. I smell like a teenage boy. I could pack so much less if I didn't have this issue. Mm. Why did I share that? Okay. In the middle of the night, Sabrina's been waking up lately and... The worst part isn't getting out of bed when it's like just freezing cold um, or the dog's waking up or any of that. It's when I get back in bed and the critical voices in my head just start like feeding on me. Uh, And as many of you all know, I don't have critical voices in my head. I have a tribunal of a-holes. I'll say a-holes because uh, some of you guys have kiddos in the car, although I'm not sure a-holes is any better. It's definitely less satisfying to say. So I can tell you right now at 3 a.m., besides worrying about catching our flight, I will be saying, Ellie, why? Why, why? why did you share that you sometimes smell? Like, why did you have to do that? Why did you overshare? Huh? All you had to do was give the introduction and get back to packing. Yeah, those are the judges. Okay. Moving right along, I have a homework assignment for you guys. Uh, it's a good thing. When I was in preschool, I remember one of my earliest memories actually is asking my father uh, to give me homework, to make homework for me. So Dr. Laura Berman, she's a regular guest on Dr. Oz and you know her from Oprah. She is going to be on Atomic Moms. And the book that we all need to read, we got a couple weeks to do it, is Quantum Love. Quantum Love, colon, use your body's atomic energy to create the relationship you desire. So we'll be talking sex and intimacy because what parent couldn't use a little encouragement in that department? Today, I'm sharing an interview with Randall Winston. It originally released on January 28th, 2016. A big shout out to our listener, Michelle. Uh, When I randomly called her for the 100th episode, she said that this was the episode where she knew Atomic Moms was the podcast for her. Television producer and director, Randall Winston, you know him from Scrubs, Spin City, Undatable, He's a towering presence in Hollywood, literally and figuratively. He chats with me, actually in my husband's old office at Warner Brothers before their show Undatable got canceled. Uh... <laughs> good times. He chats with me about adoptions and birth moms and how they discuss multiracial identity at home, the challenges of dressing a tutu crazy daughter, creating family rituals with Michael, his husband, and how we can turn the no's in our lives into big fat yeses. Yes, we cover a lot of ground. I also share a very special letter from Randall's sister. This guy is just the ultimate family man. And if I ever go anywhere... And I have a feeling Randall's gonna be there. I get so excited. I walk in that room, you lock eyes with the man, and he just makes you feel like a million bucks. I wanna be more like that, which is why I'm sharing this episode. I'll be right back with Randall Winston. Hey, listeners, we're back with Mr. Randall Winston. Hello, hello. So tell us what you just said.
1: Uh, so I was just saying that uh, I, I'm prone to blathering on a bit, and, and I had an intern who would pu- who'd pull quotes of the day. And so the one that's hanging on the wall right now is, carry the ball as far as you can. Because I was just, I was, we were working and I was getting frustrated about stopping, doing something to sort of go back and check with a bunch of people about, you know, is this the way to do it? And I, and I said, you know what, you just carry the ball as far as you can. And when you hit a wall, then that's where the wall is. And then you you start from there again. Uh, In that way, you are actually being helpful and making something happen and and learning something at the same time.
0: That's your dad bomb. We have mom bombs on the show, which is like Ah. kind of a a swift kick in the butt. (laughs) Or like, you know... Or other people, more uh, positive people, would call that inspiration, and um, <laughs> and that's your your dad bomb. I yeah. love it.
1: I think uh, I think kicking the butt sometimes is inspiration. I yeah.
0: agree. That's what I need. Um, I want our listeners to know. We read your bio. Um, personally, I consider you the uh, the carry. You just got nervous. You just your your eyebrows just kind of did a little like twitch. Um, you're like the Carrie Washington of Hollywood. You are like in Scandal. That's you're, so sweet of you. You have so many jobs, but I think the one that nobody else can probably do as well as you is—you're the fixer. Like you are Carrie Washington. <laughs> you're like the the hot thing. You're like the sexy fixer.
1: I should wear more white like Carrie Washington because she, does, she man, fucking looks awesome. Doesn't Ooh, I'm she? Sorry, look, that's answer, fine. Answer. Yeah, okay. sure. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> But uh, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I'm realizing, you know, how you learn stuff about yourself and and wh- what you like, and maybe why those are strengths or or, or uh, challenges in your life. And I, I like fixing stuff. You know, yeah. I I was uh, I, I just had to turn it off because somebody. Uh, who I'm working with ten- tangentially had mentioned to me about uh, about a, a problem about somebody who was putting work on them that really in a traditional setup of a production shouldn't be on their plate. And the, for the past three days, I can't help myself but try and fix it. I'm like, I'm like, you know what should happen? I'm like, this is the way it should go down. I was like, because that person should be doing this. And I, I said, I can call these other people and negotiate out a thing so that they can, he can have this other these other people. It's a, an accounting procedure he can farm it out I'm like and then take it off your plate so I've just sent him an email I'm like I guess if it's not bothering you I have to let it go but (laughs) I can't (laughs) help but not try and produce it
0: I know because my husband uh I was talking to Adam this morning and uh he was joking around He was like yeah you know if you need the entire cast to be made up as puppets you call Randall (laughs) like if the script isn't done you call Randall if the moon is in your shot and you need it lassoed and like moved out of frame you call Randall
1: it's very generous, very generous of, of Adam. I mean, first of all, I love working with Adam; he's awesome. Yeah, he's but, cute. Uh, he's I'll keep him. <laughs> you keep him. He's a, he's worth keeping. He is. Um, and, uh, and he's and, a good
0: starter husband. <laughs> <laughs> Eight years uh, in, I think. Oh my god!
1: I, th- I but I do feel like you know there's there is uh, satisfaction and, and joy for me in trying to to groom the path you know because I, I feel like then we can all bring our best game.
0: And how do you do that at home? Like does that come out at home or does and in your relationship in your marriage with Michael is he like, "Hey, stop producing our home life."
1: Oh yeah. Do not he doesn't he does not want to be produced. And <laughs> that is both show. But you know, it is also it's also good. It's probably one of the things that i love about him. He is very clear and very certain and quick to sort of narrow down um, things like sometimes sometimes he'll say to me you know that's okay like this is this is the answer let's move forward on on that plan we're going to go to we're going to we're going to go on vacation on that date and you're not going to be able to be at that basketball game to coach and that's okay because my inclination is like well if you go ahead with with uh, our daughter and then I'll keep Spencer back and he and I will go to the game and we'll fly there and we'll meet you at the game and like I'm always trying to create more options or you know give give an opportunity for everybody to participate in in some way and that is not his jam <laughs> but it's good for me you know to, So what to, does so. he
0: say to you like because I'm a f- a little bit of a fixer. Yeah, I'm not able to do it at your capacity, I, and I don't do I it with that. sort of like the optimism that you have. I let it kind of like spin me out a little bit. <laughs> right. You do it in this like, oh man, it's just such in such an empowered way. But what does Michael say to you to get you to back to get off? Me to
1: stop? Like to... what
0: could Adam say to me to get me to back off, where it doesn't piss me off?
1: Right. Well, I didn't say it didn't piss me off, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it is. It really is. In the most recent example, it is about just trying to give me some peace about it being okay. You know, part of it is uh, it's ego driven also mm-hmm. because, you know, Michael, Michael will say to me, he's like, he's like, everybody doesn't want you there. He's like, he's like, they're going to be okay if Randall Winston is not present or, or that thing will move forward without you. Like, <laughs> calm down, you know? Uh, so, you know, I, I don't want to hear that, but I'm like, okay, mm. I, I, I will accept that. Yeah.
0: Um, When Adam was describing you As you know Being able to basically Move the moon You're able to do One of your Incredible qualities Is being able To do the undoable Or fix the unfixable And it brings to mind Steve Jobs for me And reality distortion field And I'm Because you have it man It's There are a lot of big no's that are glaring, and but you, you somehow gotta, move it around. You finesse it. I you, believe in yes. You massage the no until it turns into a maybe, and then a yes. I you fluff the no. Like how does this I happen? I feel
1: like I. I feel like it is all about how to yes, and that, um, uh, in that, uh, I guess reality dis- distortion. I always say, you know what? You know what the because you have to you have to really sort of dig in and talk to people and and it's a lot about what people want you know like one of the things when i sort of had an impossible task in my first producing job and i didn't know i didn't know what to do to get people to convince them it's like you know i'm calling marvin Hamlish at home you know cuz i'm I snuck this number and i'm begging i told my you know, my my mother took me to see his shows or uh uh so you know can you just please do, do this for me and and trying to find a connection with people because i think that we all have something to share and, and people want to help you and and i say there's a there is a trick to um, to making believe, making people believe that you care about their issue and the trick is actually caring i really care you know what i mean i feel like in those moments that i'm sharing with somebody you know, yes, I do want something, or I want you know to carry the ball a little bit further. But it's not, you know, I, I'm I'm not false, or I try very hard not to be false to myself, and I think that helps guide me in being uh, and having some honesty and some real exchanges with people. You know, it's like, look, this is this is really what it comes down to. I need this because this is what's going on. The, the people that I work with, it's important to them because of this, and therefore it's important to me. You know, how can I help you uh, in some other way? Or just buy them food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how have you noticed that come up with your children? Because I find Sabrina has, oh, man, she has beautiful reality distortion at oh, yeah. the age of two. She thinks she's Taylor Swift when she gets out that guitar. <laughs> and I'm curious how you've, I assume, because you know this is a, a quality that it seems like you have you know, that you have in you, but you've also let thrive. How, you know, do, how do you keep that going with your kids?
1: Um, you know, you're, you're so right. It's like you, I mean, because, because there's such little reflections, it's like the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And you're always trying to reinforce, uh, the behavior you want. And, um, I, I think, you know, maybe there's a uh, a bunch of things depending on the day. You know, really, you know how kids are. You like, you're really trying to to read them. And the great thing is, is that uh, uh, kids are they're so smart, but they're not that clever. Like they don't. You can you can sort of see it coming when they're trying to when they're trying to run a game on you, and 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 you want them to come up with some information. So sometimes uh, lately, it's been a lot about trying not to react, and you know, like and And have a big reaction, especially if it 's to uh i, I don 't want to reinforce negative behavior and then um we've been working i i 'm always trying to work uh, on gratitude, you know, so like at the end of the day it 's uh uh you know what was the best part of your day and and why and um, you know who whatever activity that they maybe were involved with, just trying to get tease out something about it and it may not be for that moment it's so that i can have something that's relatable to them when i'm trying to communicate a lesson you know a, a teachable moment because inevitably you know it's the it's the big moment when i think i'm really saying something and they've lost interest and they're playing something else or they're they or, or they're they're looking back at me like you know i mean spencer will say to me sometimes spencer is my um eight-year-old son marlo is my four-year-old girl She'll be five in March. But he'll look at me sometimes and say, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Or, you know. um,
0: So it's like feeding the meter. It's like you, you, or I don't know. That's the way I think of it. It's like you're finding out these things about your children when they're they're open and they're available to talk. Or you're just kind of like brainstorming about like, well, what's going on in your life? So that when you do need to step up as a parent, in a way that they understand the lesson, that you have the language or you know how exactly. to relate to them. Exactly. So you're not just showing up to change them or fix them all the time. It's right. like you got to put in the time or, first. Or
1: just drop something in that's that's not relatable to them. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, Spencer is uh, is of an age where he started to play some games. You know, on on the iPad. You know, so there's I may look at that and say <clears throat> I'll play around with him. You know. And he builds something in Minecraft, you know. And so then, when we're when we're having a conversation about, you know, uh, about patience or about or, or about uh, sticking with something, you know, and or, or why it's important or or how how you do it, I will relate it to something that he's doing on a regular basis. You know, I'm like it's like in Minecraft. You know, when you and I built that firehouse, and uh, you know how well, we had to redo this one little piece of it to make it better. You know, sometimes you have to you have to do that in speaking uh, his language <laughs> exactly. Um, That's great. Which is, uh, I mean, I'm way too old, so it's very <laughs> foreign language, but yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I can't wait to have a boy, and then I'm going to have to start doing that. Because right now, it's I like am. all the stuff I like, but
1: you're right. With like a beautiful, beautiful Minecraft, girl. Minecraft, yeah. But, uh, uh, That'll be tough for He is the most boy-y, boyish boy, and she is the girliest girl. I mean, this morning, uh, getting her dressed for school, I was working backwards from a tutu. So like... <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause that was the, for sure what she wanted to wear. And then I I still got a little criticism on my shoe choice. And and, and Michael is much better with her hair. You know, he he's great at doing you know, all sorts of twists this beautiful curly hair. But um I you know, I found out one time that she would she would like turn me in if I didn't put bows in her hair. <laughs> like, you know, she she'd be like she calls Michael Giga. Uh like, Giga? You know, Giga, which is How uh, did he get the- that. She, she, um, well, when uh, when Spencer was a baby and, you know, we, we had had this big conversation, you know, to talk about laying out a plan and, and life just happens. So we would sit in front of the baby and we would say, you know, I pointed to myself, Papa, Dada, Papa, Dada, pointing to Michael saying, Dada, we we're trying to reinforce this. And he, he, the baby looked at us and said, Papa, Giga. <laughs> And uh but you know, it, it, we we tried giga. to correct it, but then all the other kids at preschool were like, We want to have a giga too and, oh. and then uh and so I do too. I want
0: <laughs> Michael to be my giga. <laughs> so I love that. It's really great. Do you um can you talk a little bit about the process of adoption and oh. the
1: You mean the I'm, best thing that ever happened to me?
0: Oh yes, please. Can you talk yeah. about that or and, to and, us, and I should say. talk about um because for our listeners, Michael's white, and so sort of, you know, having a biracial marriage, and then choosing adoption, and wh- how did race come up with that?
1: Right. Well, i i I used to I, I used to love to joke when we first got into the into the program. When I was describing it to the people, I say, you know, they, they they tell you, you know, adoption can be a very long process; it can take years. You know, you should have a lot of patience, and um, and uh, you know. Etc. Etc. And then we'd say, "Well, you know, we want a biracial baby." They go, "Oh, we got three in the back. Come on." (laughs) No, I'm I'm totally kidding. Um, It it was a faster process. Our process uh, was—I mean, our process was our process. Spencer took nine months. Funny enough. Wow. But we worked uh, with—we worked with an amazing uh, group called Adopt Help. They're—they're here in the Valley. Okay, Um, it's called Adopt Help. Adopt Help. They're on Ventura, and um, and uh, so you you we met with them there's the obvious sort of legal uh background work that you go through but but you you fill out the two big forms are basically you know about um about the child that you're hoping for you know and uh and you know if where does special needs rate in your life and what is uh, race you know do you just want white do you just want uh, Asian or black do you just want a boy or a girl you know and obviously the more open you are there uh, the more opportunities there are and then and then you tell about yourself and then you make um, what essentially is a sales brochure about yourself you put you know your best pictures and <laughs> your best self <laughs> forward and but then you have, but you have to write a letter you know that sort of the you know in our opinion it was important to to Praise the birth mother for for making this choice. It's a hard choice, you know. You, it, it's uh, lots of, of of women make other perfectly viable choices: to terminate pregnancy, or to do whatever you know. To to be a woman who is willing to carry the child and then be brave enough to give it up is a gigantic thing, you know. She gave us. There's two women out there that gave us the greatest gifts that we could ask for, and so, so so that. Piece with your information goes out to prospective birth mothers, and in the process that we went through, and and so she gets she gets your little dossier and and uh, goes through it and and uh, it, when you match, meaning that she, you know you you get selected, she usually selects I think like three, so but if you're number one on the thing, you get a phone call, you've been selected, you know then you get her story. This is this is who she is. This is how it happened. You know, as much as that she has shared with them, and then they say, You know, do you want to meet? And, um, you know, that's it's it, it's very uh, you have to give over to a lot of faith, you know. It's like it's kind of like you know, this moment when I if this feels right, then then that's all I can really go on. And with Spencer, you know, we had matched once early, but it didn't feel right, and then then you say no then you're feeling completely you're like i'm like where my baby at like now i'm never gonna match but in both cases you know you know uh so so we got on the phone with um with his mom and and that was like a house on fire we all felt like the, the conversation went so fantastically um and, uh, and she was very thoughtful. You know, she was late in her pregnancy but when she finally signed over the paper. So we knew the baby was coming quickly but uh, this was a Friday night. Uh, she, we hung up, the adoption agency was closed so we didn't have anybody to call back and say, you know, we, we want to do this. So Saturday comes and we go out and party and celebrate and Sunday comes and we went and, uh, with our other friends who had, had just adopted from the same agency and uh, went to Babies R Us. And freaked oh. out <laughs> and ran home. Uh, and then the the only th- we left that we left that store with two things: um, a box of diapers and a super cute Halloween costume that we couldn't leave without. <laughs> it was like a little chicken. So uh, so anyway, and then on Monday, um, she went into labor. So suddenly we were. Oh Rushed into this, we, we drove like forty-eight
0: hours. You're a parent.
1: So we yeah, so we drive up to um, Fresno, which is where uh, where the where they were, and um, you know, like I don't even know how to put the baby seat in, and we, and, and we're we're freaking out. And long story short, when we I call back to By the uh, way,
0: we were at the hospital. We didn't know how to put the baby seat in either. Because <laughs> yeah. Sabrina was born two weeks early, so we had to have like this the, the, the baby fireman, seat uh, driver. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, went to the yeah. Fire, I went to the fire department. Okay, well, we tried to go to the fire department. They weren't doing it there. And then I had the baby two weeks early, so some guy had to come to the hospital to show us and then he like came into the hospital room with this fake baby to try to show us how to it was very um just just get it done beforehand,
1: people. Yeah. Don't don't be get like Randall done. and me. Get it done and and practice, because
0: practice, people do it all wrong. I went to this car safety event, and it's like a
1: million people do it wrong. And you do it wrong, and it's not easy. Like there, no. there was, there, you know, you know, in those in, in those, in those, first few months when like everything seems overwhelming. So literally, hard. I think, uh, I think Michael, like at work, was almost in tears. Oh, yeah. Like I had to have somebody come out and help us get the ba- the baby seat back. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. who recently had a kid?
0: All this equipment is crazy, right? Adam had to come home from Undateable. You don't know this. Uh, You know, because he was working that first... Crazy hours. The first uh, season of Undateable. It was insane hours. Insanity. Never ending. Never ending. And he was at work. And I had this tiny baby. And I didn't know how to work the new stroller. I couldn't get it undone. And I had to leave the house. And I was so in like a postpartum well of something. He had to come home from work... To figure out how to work the stroller for the infant car seat situation, right. and then go back to work.
1: You know who knows how to work those strollers, <laughs> which I found out. The valet—they've seen them all. The oh, valet whipped that thing have, out, and put, it, you're put it together. So so I, it right. Me. Uh, and we didn't. And we had not. That uh, is a great point. We didn't buy the stroller because we ran out of town so quick. When we came home. Everybody, <laughs> everybody who I worked with on the show that I worked on at the time had filled our house with everything oh, a baby needs: bottle amazing. warmers and this. I mean, we, we were in tears it was the most well and and i know now as as uh, somebody recounted the story they called back my assistant called the office and said they have a box of diapers and a chicken suit <laughs> that's it a chicken they, suit they need everything yeah <laughs> wait what kind of chicken it was a su- chicken costume the uh, the baby chicken costume. oh my gosh it was too cute to leave in baby's oh
0: my gosh this is so funny and it gives me so much anxiety just imagining you back in that place <laughs> you've figured out a lot since then you've produced a beautiful wonderful family We'll be right back after this super quick break. Okay, everybody, subscribe on iTunes. Find the podcast app on your phone and just search Atomic Moms and you're subscribed. Yay! Sign up for our newsletter. I'm doing this really fun, wacky thing called Mommy Brain where I uh, share ridiculous things that I don't really feel comfortable sharing on our website because I feel like the people that sign up for the newsletter... um, you guys are the special safe crew. My safe space, right? You're my pen pals. <laughs> so sign up for the newsletter. It's on our website. I want to talk to you for a moment about the birth mothers. Yeah. And and do you have relationships with them now? And, yes, and we what's are... that about?
1: Well, you know, everybody on the planet has a mom. I mean, that's just... The biology of it, you know, and our kids will know that, or they'll figure it out at some point. And we thought it was, and you know, all the studies show that uh, that uh, open is a very healthy way to go. And so we chose to have open adoptions with with both of our kids. And so, and that's another thing, you know, the way while you are still in the hospital, you are trying to make an agreement about stuff you have no idea about. So, you know, we're open. What does that mean? So, you know, okay, well, in the first couple months, you know, we'll be sending you pictures every, you know, every month. And we'll try and orchestrate a visit, you know, twice a year or something like that. Maybe around significant things. Because, you know, the babies are changing so much in those early months. And, and, and for my own peace of mind, I thought it was important to, to keep that connection because, you know, for health reasons, if something happened Mm -hmm. to, to my kids and, 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 we were trying to unravel the mystery, you know, uh, You know, my sister has lupus. It's it's not applicable because it's not hereditary, but like, you know, being able to tick things off the list when she was sick and going to all the relatives and asking them was really an important part of that process, and and I, it, w- it just horrified me if I thought there was no connection. Now, you know, you don't want to adopt the whole family, so there's this whole other thing that you go through about... Um, <clears throat> you know when their family is going through something you know or or, or their ups and downs and, and whatever those needs are don't want to take them all on so you know so you're trying to find a balance you're trying to find lines but but again for me sort of the the definition is that I want my kids to be able to have an open relationship they have a a a birth mother that's that's a fact and um and I want to be able to look them in the face when they ask me the question, you know, you know, did they ever ask you f- for help and were you able to help? Or did you ever, uh, you know, what did you know about my mother? It, 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 I need to be able to have some transparency and, and uh, so they can have clarity. And I think it's good for the relationship that we're building.
0: How do you talk to your children about race?
1: You know, um, that's an interesting one. You know, it's so funny, actually. I have, I have this uh, – uh, uh, well, well, two things. One is because they're mixed, you know, um, I think it started very simply, you know, like when, when Michael and I are together, it's like it takes a little bit of of me pointing to my skin color and a little bit of Giga to, to, <laughs> make, to you know, to make this. And, and we actually – we were at a bookstore and they were having a book signing of a, a book called uh, I Am Mixed, and it was so funny because – the author was there signing it, and I, he practically tackled me in the <laughs> in, in in between the books. He's like, he's like, this book is for you. You get, you have to get this for your kids, you know. And and it, that one's very sort of uh, sweet, but um, it, it, there's nothing sort of uh, uh, hard and fast. Is, so much is it is it as it is about. Inclusion and recognition, you know. I don't want to ever bury that that there are the differences, but I, what I was going to say is, at Christmas time, I had one of these funny sweaters from Undatable, You know, there's the Tipsy Elves. So I had my Santa Claus sweater, and it's Black Santa. He's a and it, and uh, it just says Believe on it. And so we're having our uh, our big Christmas Day uh, open house party, and Marlo comes up to me at one point, and she she goes, Papa. The Santa in your sweater has brown skin, but that's not what Santa looks like, right? And I, you know, I'm like t- caught totally off guard. You know, I'm and here's out of the mouths of babes and trying to figure out like, am I gonna have the jokey answer? And um, and this other mom, the other mom, another parent who was standing next to me. She goes. She goes. Well, Santa's magical. Santa can be any color he wants to be. She said. She said, my Santa's purple, and that was such a great way to sort of diffuse it. Um, But I, I think what I try and do is just use the proper language. My mother was big on, you know, call the thing what it is. I mean, I think you know, we we were, I was the only kid in my class, you know, saying. Penis, vagina, and nose dirt instead of boogers, you know, cock and <laughs> whatever. But uh, uh, so, you know, when they when when they talk about people or identify people as being of uh, of different and disparate uh, races and religions, you know, we're just try and give the information and be honest.
0: You were just mentioning your Christmas party. Um, I would love to know. A little bit more about your family traditions. Can you describe this Christmas party? We've been oh, yeah. invited two no, years now. I, we no. haven't gone. You, you, have
1: to, you should come.
0: We it's, need to come. It's it ridiculous. Really, it really is
1: becoming my favorite day it, it, because, for the very reason that it is, uh, that it is the tradition that we're building for our family. You know, which has a little bit of Michael's family in it and a little bit of mine and 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 what we are building together. You know. I, uh, I actually, I, I'm, I'm, getting touched by that phrase because I found a card in my bag yesterday that was from Michael on our last anniversary, saying, uh, you know, just I love what we're building together, and I of course used the card to write a mean note to him because I was mad at <laughs> him about something else, <laughs> but but he did he, he did say that and. Um, uh, And so Christmas Day, Michael is is half Italian. He's half Italian, half Irish. Which I say, in Worcester, Massachusetts, that is a mixed marriage.
0: (laughs) I went to school in Western Mass. Yeah, so so you know, I get it.
1: So on the Italian side, you know, his mother cooks like crazy, and it's inspired Michael to be, be in what his second career is, which is all about food. He's a caterer and a food stylist, and. And so uh she used to cook on Christmas for all the relatives in Worcester like everybody I think he might be the only person in his family that left at uh, um and so he cooks enough food for an army he does I mean I, I, uh, it's like 8 pounds of pasta and you know some uh beef tenderloin and you know and, and people people will ask for their favorites and then we get up and we have our Christmas morning with the kids and we open, open the gifts and we, you know, do some FaceTime with our respective families back in uh, around the country. And, um, and then around three o'clock we fling open the doors and, and, uh, and our chosen family comes in, you know, the, the door just stays open and people come. I mean, and it, it is all day and all night and, and, and I pick a Christmas carol every year and everybody sings and, we eat and, and it feels like, um, and the kids love it now. I mean, the kid, our kids are starting to look forward to it, and they ask which friends they can bring and who's going to be there. And you know, uh, Gabe's Jewish, can he still be invited? You know, it's like, it's, uh, and uh, and they just run around like crazy, and the parents run around like crazy, and we all eat and drink and be merry, and and uh, and I feel like that feels like Christmas to me now, and I feel like we get to spend. time time. You know, like how sometimes you have a party and you don't feel like you really get to talk to anybody. I feel like I talk to everybody and and uh, I do make quite a bourbon punch. So that is. <laughs> so. Oh my God. I was thinking, we yeah, got Randall.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to share the video of us doing dirty dancing oh, in the hallway because somebody posted that on Twitter. Did I they? can't believe I haven't been discovered yet from that video. I mean, here's the problem.
1: You do the worm uh, like nobody.
0: <laughs> oh, business. that too. I know I was doing the worm in the hallway. Here's the thing. Adam I think he could have been a politician. He's definitely smart enough. Yep. Um, and he's, prob- got,
1: he's got the looks. He's got the smile. He's got the, got the looks.
0: Yeah. Um, the problem is, it's like when John Kerry was running for president and Adam was always like, oh, you're my Teresa Hines because <laughs> <laughs> he could have a really good shot. The problem is he's married to someone who has a loose screw and gets a little wild and has a big mouth. And sometimes she shows up at work and ends up dancing with Randall and getting flipped over because, I mean, come on, moms – is there any bigger dream than having this six foot six man like lift you up, like you're in dirty dancing, like coming out of the water? <laughs> I mean, it's a dream. You got to take it when you can get it. Uh, so poor Adam is like working and sick, and meanwhile I'm dancing in the hallway, a little tipsy.
1: I was. We. I think we had. A good, I think we had a very good showing. I yeah. Think we, maybe we should be entering a dance contest. Maybe that's the upshot of that. And Adam's crazy. You could be the be, the people's princess. The, you know, <laughs>
0: Oh, that's good. Well, I am. When we come back, I'm going to be talking all about your beautiful sister. Oh,
1: um, I'm, I'm crazy about her. And she's.
0: And you share a kidney.
1: That's true. That's true. Frankly, I think it was happy to get out, but I think it was, <laughs> she needed it.
0: Oh, my God. The kidney was like, I'm better off. Check it. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Randall, you always make me laugh. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you have about 50 fires to put out right now, so thank you for having um, for having pleasure. us. Thank you for My having pleasure. us on yeah. our show. <laughs> so, Randall Winston at Christmas did the most beautiful thing. He gave Adam and me these cards and on the card, it was this, this drawing of our family. It was my husband and me and our daughter, Sabrina. And it was so sweet. And then he shared that his sister made these drawings. She does these family portraits. And I thought it was so lovely. And then I started emailing with her, and she shared this incredible, incredible story about her life. So I asked Randall's sister, Karen, to answer a few questions for me. Um, but I asked her just to answer these off the top of her head. I didn't want her to put a ton of thought into it. I just wanted it to come straight from the heart. So here's what we got. You know, she's been drawing and doodling as long as she can remember, making pictures of elementary school teachers, drawing animated pictures of classmates and teams that she participated on. And she's made homemade cards for everyone. It's just something she was always doing. And so I asked her, why does she love it? And she said she began to love it when she started making drawings as gifts for other people. And when she saw how much people enjoyed having something that was made just for them, it made her really happy. And thinking about the details that make a drawing really capture their personalities is so much fun. And so she started giving them as birthday gifts and anniversaries and Christmas gifts, any reason at all. And when I asked her about parenting advice, here's what she said. I would tell parents that it is important to feed your own creative soul just as you feed and nurture your children. Our kids become our main priority, but they also thrive on our expression of happiness. It makes me a better parent to be in a place of peace and patience and fulfillment. Ah, oh, so good. Okay. And, and I asked her, you know, what do you hope your daughter will always remember about you? And she says, I hope my daughter will remember that I always see her, that she will never be alone and that she can always come to me because the unspoken bond between a mother and daughter is unbreakable. We may explore many different aspects of our relationship along the way, but the constant of knowing that there is no one who will love her more and want the best for her life more than her mother. And so I asked her also about her health issues, and she said, I have learned many things through the challenges of living with a health issue and the uncertainty of what that future brings. I have lupus, which is an autoimmune disease, whereby the body makes antibodies that attack one's own healthy tissue. There's currently no cure for lupus, and the range of symptoms and manifestations are vast. Lupus can attack any organ or part of the body, including the joints, bones, skin, lungs, brain, kidneys, and heart. In my case, lupus has has mainly affected my joints and my kidneys and subsequently caused complete renal failure. I was very fortunate and feel extremely blessed to have had the support of my entire family and many amazing friends. I ultimately received a kidney from my brother Randall, who was a perfect match. We celebrated our 16-year kidney anniversary this past September. I have learned that nothing is unsurmountable with the love and support of those closest to you in your life, that you have strength you never knew lived within you that patience is a valuable virtue because not everything will happen on your time frame. I have found the blessings and experiences that others may think are detrimental. And I have incredible appreciation for each day, whatever it may bring. My health has constant ups and downs, but I consider myself very lucky. My lupus is treated with medications that help to suppress my symptoms. I take one day at a time, but I feel that a positive attitude goes a long way to feeling good and enjoying life despite whatever obstacles are brought forth. I loved her response to my questions. Um, she, I, I just have this thing for people who have had kind of the crap kicked out of them and who are able to come back so resiliently and celebrate their creativity. And I have so many of the people that I love more than anything. They're the ones who have had an autoimmune disease or, you know, Karen had lupus. Like I, after my tumor, I just started realizing like sometimes these crappy, crappy events they like warm us up for all the love that's available to us. I couldn't accept help before my tumor. I still am kind of crappy at it, but I, but I recognize that people are on my side and they want to help me. And if I need help, I can ask for it. And there's something about these challenges that makes a lot of us realize that within ourselves. And I, I just love surrounding myself with people like that I actually have two guests coming up who both have had autoimmune diseases and and that's just like a a tiny part of them but it's part of what cleared the way for them to be who they are and to have the positive outlook they have Karen Wilson's website on Etsy is cartoon dot Etsy dot com that's cartoon dot Etsy dot com and uh I'm going to leave you with her her own mom bomb. It's a quote from Randall and her father that she's adopted as her own. And it relates to her pre-lupus life as an accomplished athlete and track enthusiast. And it is, you start the race from where you stand. She says it resonates with her and the advice she gives to her daughter. To her, it says, we start from here and now and that nothing is too great to overcome. So my dear listeners, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on Atomic Moms.